Okay, and you'll give me an action or? Action. This is Darius Wallace from, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, reminding you to one, stay inspired, and two, to look me up on my website. Uh, that's www.dariuswallace.com. And you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and check out my TED Talks. I love it. Well done. All right. Let me hit stop. I'll be right back. Okay. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Lynn Rivers, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going super. Thanks for having me. So you are at lynnrivers.com. So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about in your business today. Yeah. And to clarify, that's L-I-N-N rivers.com. Right. <laughs> right, right. And what am I excited about? I am excited about the course that I'm creating. I am deep in it and I have about two weeks to finish it. And I'm creating a course for people to overcome chronic health conditions and mental health disorders by understanding the root cause of literally the majority of illness. And I'm super excited about it because I have a, a pre-launch right now where people can get it for $50. And wow. so many people have signed up for it because of the pre-launch price. And so I'm really having to push through right now and get it done for all of these people. And so right. I'm like, think about it. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's neat how people show up for a deal, huh? <laughs> oh, sure. I, I made it $50. So no one had an excuse, right? right because it's right. like, take away all take obstacles. Your health, yeah, yeah. And I'm giving you no excuse. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for you. That was probably one of the big turning points in my health journey. Like oh, just really? what you're talking about is like, I don't know. There was this sort of like fallacy in my brain. Like my body is a car and I can take it to the doctor. It's like an auto shop and they just, it's their job to keep me healthy. Right? No, <laughs> no, right. it's not. It's, it's not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and, and if you try that, it's not going to work out for you. Chances are you're going to end up back there time and time again. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll we'll talk about health journeys, so I don't want to get too deep into me. So let's go back in time and talk about Lynn Rivers, um, and that's L-I-N-N Rivers, again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Just to make sure. Okay, so where did you grow up, Lynn? So I grew up in El Paso, Texas, and New Mexico. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, not a very exciting place to grow up, either locations. <laughs> no, I, I actually visited both places. Mm. So I've been to a couple of places, not many in uh, New Mexico. I did go to El Paso once. Mm. Um, <laughs> 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 mm. Uh, El Paso, come on. You know, you're right on the border. You know, if you want, if you want to go to Mexico, it's right there. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it's creeping over, as they say. It is. So, uh, so what was it like for you growing up in El Paso slash New Mexico? Well, El Paso, you know, I left El Paso when I was about eight years old. Okay. And growing up there, I think a lot of people get things backwards, but I was actually the only white kid in my school. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, it, yeah, yeah, it, it grew, I grew up in this environment where I had a lot of different, uh, cultures around me, but I was seen as the outsider, you know? And so I had, I had that adventure where people end up learning about that a lot later in life. I had that very early on. Right. And, um, and it, that was fine. Like I, you know, I just, I got by, I did what I had to do. I was a kid. I didn't pay attention to much things other than sports. Okay. And, um, then New Mexico, 
New Mexico is definitely a beautiful place. It, oh, yeah. it definitely has heart. Um, yeah, but yeah. the town that I grew up in, it was like an even, I, it was like a complete desert, nothing around. The coolest thing in the town was Target. And um, yeah, it, it, there wasn't anything to do there. So what are your parents doing that, that you're growing up in El Paso slash New Mexico in the middle of nowhere? What well, that? <laughs> or, they, yeah, yeah. They were so my dad, he worked at Intel. So that's oh, yeah. the reason we went to Rio Rancho, because that's you know, Intel came into that town, and so that's where we ended up going. And in El Paso, I mean, that's just where they grew up. So they stayed there until my dad had something better. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So dad Nothing born and raised in El, pa- in El Paso. Okay. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my buddy actually worked in uh, Albuquerque at Intel. So that was like, I went to visit him in Albuquerque and then we drove to Santa Fe. That was my first exposure to red. Santa Fe is great. Red or green. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The best thing about New Mexico. <laughs> You have to go just so you can say, I'd like exactly. I'd not like telling both you anything about it. <laughs> That's right. I'd like both. Oh, places. I do half and half. Yes. I yes. ask for <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. You uh, go in, you ask for Christmas. So are you still in, you still in New Mexico then? No, I'm in California. I'm in San Diego. Ah, gotcha. San Diego. Yeah. Great. College town. Yeah. I'm away from that, but yes. So my wife and I lived in uh, Southern California, like uh, around South Bay, LA area. So we went to we went to San Diego quite a bit. Like, oh, where are you now? I'm in Vegas now. Oh, fun, sunny Vegas. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the reason was is you know I already told you my wife's from Japan. So she, we were living in Torrance is this small town with a lot of Japanese stuff in it. Mm -hmm. So she was super happy there. She could get groceries and books and right. Right. But California is like really like, who am I telling? It's a very expensive place to live. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I wanted to escape the California taxes, but be Mm -hmm. like a close commute to go back, you know, as needed. To buy books Perfect. and groceries. Yes. So that's why Vegas. Not like I live in the casinos or anything like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, we go every day, but we don't gamble that much. We just go for, we're mall walkers in the casino. Oh, so that's, that's what okay. we do. We get our steps in the casino. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> you should go climbing. You have such good climbing at your back door. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, actually, when I walk outside in nice weather, I live on the side of a mountain. So I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, I'm in zone two in about 30 steps. I'm right on the edge of the desert. So if I feel like going and battling scorpions and stuff like that, I'm right there. So that's so awesome. Yes. (laughs) I want to get a mountain bike, but I'm kind of lazy, so I might not do that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So you're growing up in New Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. You're bored. You got to get out of there. So what do you do after high school? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think there's there should be a backtrack. Do you want me to get into my past and like things sure. that I experienced? Before? Of course, yes. Because whatever happens, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that yeah, right. we're we're using the chronology of your life this time as just a backstop to tell the story. So if there's more okay. story in childhood, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important to know like where I was before high school and why I did what I did when I was in high school. Of course. Um, Let's do so it. I grew up with a lot of illness in my family for myself. I had pneumonia when I was one and two, which wow. led to a lot of other, you know, traumatic experiences emotionally because of my family and then feeling like I was going to die. Yikes. And also a lot of other elements came. I had asthma my entire childhood and teens and I was in and out of the hospitals. I lost the majority of my family before I turned 15, which my mom died when I, four days after my 15th birthday. And I had hormonal disturbances, endometriosis. My father was an alcoholic. I had a lot of just traumatic things that actually, wow. I, I became a rebel as a high schooler. So I was one of those <clears throat> kids where I barely made it through high school. If it wasn't for one of the, the principal's assistants, she was an angel and she helped me get through. I mean, 
she passed me in places where I should not have been passed, but, but she did because she really wanted to get me out of there. Wow. And so I experienced a lot of that. And then I turned that into a lot of tumultuous relationships because I wanted to continue the patterns of people leaving me and feeling abandoned. And so it took me until I was probably 18 years old. And to preface this where I'm going, I was terrified of everything from from my early near-death experiences as a child and watching all my family die, I was terrified of life. Like everything would freak me out and I could have the simplest PTSD. I'd watch something on TV and the way my brain was wiring things because it was so programmed early on to fear a lot of different right. feelings and right, right. stuff. I, uh, <clears throat> everything I'd watched would turn into a fear. So I wouldn't fly. I wouldn't go to the beach. I wouldn't do all of these things. I wouldn't leave the town that I was in. I was terrified of moving forward. I just wanted to stay exactly where I was and have nothing ever change. Hide out in and, the cave and just mm-hmm. try to stay alive. Was it? Right, exactly. <laughs> try to survive. Try to That's survive. what I was doing. Just always trying to survive. Right. And one day something flipped inside and I was like, you know what? I want to get over these fears. Mm. And so the most terrifying things for me was flying, being near the ocean in boats. And so... I signed up to work on a cruise ship <laughs> and wow. I took, talk about immersion. I, therapy. I know <laughs> I literally took my first flight to go and work on a cruise ship in the middle of Hawaii. <laughs> wow. So okay. From there, everything just opened up. I was like, Oh my God, I need to know more. I need to experience more. What's what is life. Right. Wow. And all of a sudden, like all those fears went out the window. So I started stepping into every other fear that I had. If I had a fear, I was like, I want to face this. I want to get through this. Damn. And so that's where high from high school, I, I just took a completely different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Let's drill down into that because like (laughs) that, I mean, losing like mom at like 15. So what were Mm -hmm. the circumstances around that? So my mom had colon cancer and it was something that she did not realize until the last moment. So she like died four months later. Now, granted, had she not gone into the field that she went to, I don't think she would have died, but that's a whole nother story. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. And so... But my the first big loss with my was my grandma when I was eight. She was my favorite person in my family. She was the one who I spent the most time with. And I like telling this story because it it, it really shows how far a person can come. And when I was a baby and had pneumonia and I was in and out of the hospital, right? We receive <clears throat> feelings and emotions. We don't understand words at that point. We just understand like the vibrations around us and power, you know, yeah, the yeah. sounds that our parents You don't are have language yet, right. Exactly. Right. And so the way my parents were saying, I love you when I was tied down in incubators came out in fear, right? So I attributed the word love to mean something really scary because they were terrified. So then they were saying, I love you. It came out in this like, really fearful way. Mm, and so wow. from a very early age, I feared the word love and I would never say it. I had this, every time someone in my family would say, I love you, I remember being five and I would just get anxious and my body would tighten. And I, I would just be like, don't say that to me. Mm, and wow. I would never say it back. Mm. Well, when I was eight, my grandma who had breast cancer, she was in the hospital and I stood up in my chair and I wrote her a little letter And I read it to her. And the last thing I said was, I love you. And it's the first time I ever said, I love you to anyone. And she literally died right after I said that. And so as an eight-year-old, the way that our brains operate, we're super narcissistic at that age. We think everything revolves around you. And it's connected to us. And so I thought I killed her. And so (laughs) that sensation and... I never, I was like, I will never say this word again. I cannot, you know, like I was terrified. Wow. And so I never got to tell my mom that I loved her, even though she was already dying. And I, I still would not say I loved her because I thought it was going to kill her that much quicker. Yikes. So I grew up with that kind of like early on fear of love. And Mm. the next time I ended up saying it, was when I was in my late 20s, when my grandpa was in the hospital. He's the only one who made it to live to be old. And he was in the hospital and I told him he was afraid he was going to die. And it was in that moment that I realized like, 
I want him to know that I love him because if he dies and I do not say it, I'm going to regret that so much more. It was the first awareness that I had at the age, late twenties of understanding this trauma that I had experienced when I was little. And it took everything I had to tell him that I loved him. Like it made me cry because it was so difficult for me to get those words out. Yeah. And so that's where that actually started healing like a big chunk of like, Oh, like, man, that actually really triggered me at such a young age. And we don't think about those instances, yeah. you know? It's and almost so- like you had, you were like, um, this is going to sound silly. I'm not trying to sound silly. <laughs> no, no. Life is silly. <laughs> but it reminds me of like a superhero girl that like, you know, knows like if I touch somebody without this glove on, they're going to die. Right. Like Elsa. Like, yeah, 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 right. yeah. It's yeah. like you've got a superpower when you say the word love, people die. Right. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And then you know you have to. <laughs> right. Yikes. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. did you got the words out and he didn't die. Did that help? He did not. Did that no, I, it's my fear because I finally understood. I was able to comprehend at that point in my life that my grandma was so happy to hear those words from me. Yeah. That she was able to let go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it right. was one of the greatest gifts that I gave her. Right. But try telling an eight year old that, and <laughs> that's not, yeah. and obviously I didn't even have the parents who are going to be able to, you know, put that. I, we didn't talk about death. We didn't talk right. about anything. It was right. the eighties for crying out loud. Like, yeah. It was yeah. Just like, yeah. Uh, get oh, over yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> Rub a little dirt on it. Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes, been there, done that. Wow. Okay, let's all take a deep breath. (sighs) (sighs) Wow, that's I I know you lived it, but that's a lot. That's such a yeah. That's a small piece. Uh, That's still that's a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. so how did your dad end up dying? Like, and when did that happen? So my dad was fifty six when he died. Okay, and he, my dad, had a really rough life. Like I. As much as I can like look back and see like a lot of the trauma that I experienced as a kid was because of him. I had so much compassion before for my dad when he died. Uh, he he went through everything. He lost his mom, his brothers, his you know his wife, okay. all of these people wow. in his family. And he also had a an accident when he was in his early twenties that really affected his back. And he had a lot of health issues to the point where he eventually lost his uh, legs his legs gave out on him wow. and he ended up having to have more back surgeries and then he couldn't use his dominant arm and it just kept cascading. And mm. wow, he just did not, I, I look back at that generation and they didn't have the tools that we do nowadays to understand trauma and to heal through certain things. Right. And they just didn't have that early on. So when I look at my dad, I'm like, he really did do the best that he could do with what he was given. Right. 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 And so he ended up dying of pneumonia. Well, he had pneumonia. He got yeah. through it. But then his lungs just, something happened to his lungs. No one actually knows. Um, but he just died one day. Yeah. No, no. I, I've heard this before. This idea of um, when we cough, every time you cough, even if you've just got like a, a cold or a flu mm-hmm. you, and you cough, you're doing damage to your lungs a little bit, mm-hmm. Right. So if if you go through like a severe sort of like one doctor told me once when I was still living in in L.A. that I was trying too hard when I coughed. And that was true. That was true. It was one of these things that my dad said was like, you got to get that shit out of there. Right. Mm. He's like, you know, he's from that generation. Don't don't take a pill. That's your body trying to make you better. You got to lean into that, you know, and. To a point, he's right. I was just overachieving. <laughs> right? Uh, one thing that I tried to overachieve, overachieve at was coughing, this particular mm-hmm. cold, right? So he said, um, you need to try a little. It's, it's good. You're right. You're on the right track. You need to cough. Just don't try so hard. <laughs> right. Because it naturally happens. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying. Yeah. I leaned in too hard. So then he <laughs> said that um, I had damaged my lungs. Mm-hmm. And and that damage is going to take some time to heal. And I'll, mm-hmm. so that that's why you're still coughing, right? Your, your infection's gone, 
but now your lungs are sort of like inflamed, inflamed, I think is what he said. So he gave me one of these, um, inhalers that, uh, asthmatics use, but I only had to use it like a week or something. But it, it's it, silly because that damages your lungs like tenfold. Like oh, it's lovely. comical to me that they're like, oh, you damaged your lungs by coughing, but let's give you this steroid that's actually going to affect it even more. <laughs> well, whatever. It worked. So mm -hmm. I'll take it. So but, funny. So next time, what should I do instead? <laughs> not, <laughs> not that. <laughs> Say that again. I said take NAC. NAC. What's NAC? Acetylcholine. It's a natural amino acid that actually naturally uh, coats your lungs and helps force things out that shouldn't be in there, but also soothes it. Oh, it's, wow. it's one of the best things on the market. The FDA actually pulled it from the market during COVID wow. because it was helping so many people that they wanted to see if they could make money off of it. But wow. because of amino acid, they couldn't. So then it eventually got put back on the market. Don't get me started. Oh. <laughs> but I am going to oh. write down so I can just go buy NAC on Amazon or something. Huh? Oh yeah. It's a great, great product to have in your, in your cabinet. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get a list of home remedies from okay. Lynn Rivers. <laughs> my course and you definitely will. <laughs> That's great. All right. So, okay. So dad, alcoholic, do you want to mm -hmm. get into that at all? Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, it's my, so my childhood memories, I don't actually remember anything positive, like the wow. positive sensations that I might've experienced. I don't remember those. Like I know I had birthday parties, but I can't remember them because the dominant feeling that I had as a childhood was anxiety, either surrounding my mom and dad's relationship, anxiety surrounding seeing my grandma sick and fall when I couldn't help her, wow. my illness that I was going through, asthma all these things. And with my dad, the most prominent memories are driving home with him and my mom after parties and he's drunk and all over the road. Okay. And my mom is just holding me in fear wow. and trying to calm him down while he's flashing people on the road, like trying to get them off the, you know, like coming up to them and wow. honking and Yeesh. and those are, those are my dominant memories as a child. Wow. And, and I just look back and I'm like, man, like, so, yeah. And it's weird because as you're saying it now, we're all kind of like scared, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, she grew up in a horror movie. You grew up in a horror I mean, movie. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different kind of horror movie, right? And it's like, right. I grew up in a very, it was like a tr rundown trailer. Like it was not pretty. Right. Now I'm like, Going to my grandma's was a different story, which is why I loved being with her. It was a different space. Even though she was sick, right. I still felt more taken care of. Wow. Right. Right, right. And she had a real house. It was kept. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I felt loved, right? Mm. My dad loved me to the best of his abilities. I mean, I right. was daddy's little girl. Sure. But the reality was, is that he was neglecting me. He was, I mean he smoked in the house knowing I had asthma and pneumonia and all these things. Wow. And yes, sure. It was the eighties, but we knew the yeah. damage these things were causing. Right. And so, you know, there was a lot of things that my dad did that caused a lot of trauma, but I, I still look at it now from the space of man, he did not have the help he needed. Like right. I feel bad for right, right. he was. Sure. Yeah. Sympathetic. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So let's talk about like, Moving forward from there, I don't know where you want to start, but um, <laughs> uh, what was the road to recovery like? I mean, I got it that you started like facing fears, but mm -hmm. like, what was your health journey like? I mean, at what point did you start getting healthy? And let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually started holistic nutrition when I was 18 years old. I started going to school for it. Wow. Because I, I started asking, I started asking bigger questions like after my mom died. It was very much like, why are all these people in my family dying from cancer or heart disease or diabetes or of the like, mm. right? As I just knew that there had to be something to it. Right. And so I started doing research when I was 18, but the wow. major turning point was right before then when I kept going to the doctors time and time again, we're talking Western medical system here yeah. and they kept putting me on antibiotics. They kept putting me on prescription drugs and I was suicidal. So they had me on all of these you know, antidepressants and stuff. And 
one day I went to the doctor and something, it was like a download. It was definitely a download that happened where she handed me antibiotics for something that just kept coming back time and time again. And something said, check out this internet thing. <laughs> and the internet had just taken hold and we had dial up. I'm sure you remember the I AOL. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to check on this and, and type in what I'm experiencing and seeing what pops up. And sure enough, this natural remedy popped up for what I was experiencing. And I was like, I'm going to try it. What do I have to lose? This hasn't been working. I tried it once. It was gone in two days and it never came back. And that for me was this big aha moment of there's something to this. And so very soon after I figured out the asthma piece and I got rid of a lifelong, really chronic condition with asthma and no longer have asthma. Wow. Right. And that's something they told me time and time again, you're just going to have to learn to deal with this. You're going to have to take this for the rest of your life, blah, blah, blah. And I got rid of it and I was playing soccer and I was playing soccer without having to use an inhaler. And I was like, there's so much to this that we're not getting. We're not right. being shown yeah, yeah. what's actually happening. And so it, it progressed. And so I went into holistic nutrition and then I went into massage therapy, nice. Reiki, spiritual nice. counseling. Yeah, yeah really learning just about everything that it means to be human, right? Like how, what is the human body and what do we need to do in order to be healthy and happy? And I had endometriosis and all these hormonal imbalances, which also caused a lot of digestive issues and, and chemical imbalances. And I, I still had depression and like aggressive outbursts uh, really often throughout most of my teens and twenties. And so I was like, I need to figure this out. I need to know why this is happening. It's not just a psychotic thing. There's something, there's a reason. Right. And, and actually- like, What were the doctors telling you? Uh, what was the medical opinion? Well- Oh, at this point I was out. There's oh, you're no, done. I was, you're done. Okay. So I was done. I was like, <laughs> wow. they were keeping me sick and yeah, I watched yeah. them keep my entire family sick. Understood. So I was like, I am yep. not doing that. So I, I finally started tapping into naturopathic doctors okay. who had the ability to order lab work. They had the ability to diagnose, oh, wow. Okay. right? But they weren't going to give me any medications because I said, no, I'm not interested in that. They're like, great, find out what you can do. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so anyway, I, I ended up diving into functional medicine and adding yeah. that into my holistic practice. And that is where the game changed. Because functional medicine is all about finding the root cause, root cause. of every sick. Yeah. Right, right. Right. And when you go to the hospital and they diagnose you, when you're diagnosed with something, those are symptoms. They're not diseases. They're symptoms of right. an underlying imbalance in your body. Right. And I, I would have been diagnosed with so many different conditions had yeah. I gone in like fibromyalgia and all these pains and, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome and all these things, <laughs> yeah. but because I knew better and I was studying a completely different approach, I was able to find what was causing my illness and I was wow. able to take the steps to getting better. And I want to clarify that there was a point about six years ago, <laughs> I'm looking at time and I'm yeah, six yeah. years ago, <laughs> wow. okay. where I was so sick that I tried throwing a Frisbee and I almost had a heart attack. My body was just like wow. shutting down. Wow. Because my appendix had ruptured and I ended up in the hospital. This was the last near death experience that I had. I ended up in the hospital and I was on antibiotics, straight antibiotics for a week because I had peritonitis. Is there a point for antibiotics? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But right. there's different practices that you need to incorporate with antibiotics, which the, right. the medical system's not doing. Right. And so it wrecked my gut microbiome so much mm. that I couldn't digest anything anymore. And it was seeping into my bloodstream Ugh. and I was just so sick. I had patches all over my skin. I, my face was bright red all the time. I, it was just awful. And I was having these extreme heart palpitations. And one day I was like, I want to throw a Frisbee. And I tried and I had to sit for 15 minutes to bring my body back into like an okay place. Oh, wow. And so I got really sick. And so it was my mission. I'm like, I'm not going to live this way. Like if I'm still doing this five years from now, there's no freaking way I will take myself out like happily. And so I was like, I need to figure out why this is happening. And I did. And I got over every single thing that I had been experiencing that unfortunately so many people are experiencing now, Yeah. right? They, their normal health is like, oh, well, 
I'm okay. Like I can get up and, you know, sure I ache and stuff, but that's not normal. We're not meant to feel that kind right. of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that chronic inflammation thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, like every little sentence is a lot. So, okay. Like I was depressed. So let's talk a little bit about like, were you ever like, did you ever do a suicide attempt? Just trying to pull at some strings here a little bit. Well, so let's talk about this from a completely different perspective. Sure. Suicide. Yeah. I call that dying from depression. That's what I, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, tried the, the to do that. The reality is, is, <laughs> So through one of my near-death experiences, what one of the things that I was shown is suicide is not just you pulling the trigger or, you know, cutting yourself. It's also not taking care of your body. It's also knowing that you're sick and continuing to do the things that you're, you're, right. that are making it worse, right? right that right. is suicide. You have the true, tools to true. get better. It's like a chronic version it. of suicide. Correct. Right, right. And so when I, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, and so the last time that I came back, I knew I was like, I have to put both feet on the floor and be here and do right for myself. Yeah, like yeah. there's, there's no other way. Otherwise, if I come out of this life, I'm going to have to come back in in the same way. <laughs> so that was sort of like your wake up call to own it, basically own the responsibility. Yes, It's like, God gave me this body. It's amazing. Mm. And he, he charged me to care for it. <laughs> In different words, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. not what I experienced, but yes, you know, and it was the the first near-death experience I had was when my partner was actually dying at the same time. Wow. And what? Whoa. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I had like a really big, um, she ended up dying. I obviously ended up getting better, wow. but it was in that moment that that first near-death experience and what I was shown, I knew that I had to take care of myself, but I still didn't quite know how. Like right. I didn't, I didn't understand the steps. It wasn't as pivotal as the the next one <laughs> where it's like, I came back and I was like, Oh, I have to take care of myself. There's, and there's no reason to be here if I'm not going to actually be healthy and share what I came to share. And so it was just really profound. Both of them were profound and got me to that aha moment. But the second one, I came back with the knowledge of how to do it. I was like, Oh, oh wow. this is, yeah. 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 So like yeah. when I was uh, just after I retired from the Air Force, so that was like around, I retired in 2008, right? Wow. Uh, some, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, I retired when I was 38 years old. Isn't that cool? Oh my God. Well, that's one thing. Well, if you think about it, right. you sign up for the Air Force and you're 18 and 20 years later, you're 38 and they go, okay, have a nice life. Here's your check. Wow. I, I was fun. It was really cool, but okay. So like I, my way of partying then was like, let's have cheeseburgers, fries and more beer. Right. Uh, that was so like way overweight. Right. Um, Not really, you know, I, I think being active duty Air Force was sort of like keeping me like kind of healthy because I couldn't be as fat. Yeah. I couldn't be as fat as I wanted to be. I had to exercise enough to pass the test. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but as soon as I retired, that community support was gone. Right. Yeah. I could be as fat as I wanted to be. <laughs> and yeah. I did. If you went back and found my uh, driver's license photo from like 2009, Oh my God, I can't, I don't remember what I weighed, but it was a lot. <laughs> it was like close to 250. I think I'm Oh, running. wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just imagine I, I went, what my wake up call was, was a lot less traumatic than everything in your life. So sorry about that. But I, I went to this thing. It was like, um, like a workshop event in Portland, right? And so I didn't, did not rent a car because uh -huh. Portland is very walkable. So I, I got a hotel that was walking distance from everything. And then they've got trains. And I was like, mm -hmm. I can walk. I walk all the time. And I couldn't walk. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So that was sort of like this. Oof. Why can't I, you know, I would just like try to walk and I would get like a little ways and my, my ankles are swelling and just everything hurts. Right. And I'm like, this is not normal. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, that reminded me of like, even 
like things I would go and for a while I brewed beer with friends and brewing beer takes a while, right? You're committing to like hanging out for three hours <laughs> and my buddies would be standing up for those three hours. Oh man. And I'd be like, I can't stand for three hours. <laughs> That's wow. just not gonna happen. Right. So yeah. so for me, that was sort of like the the wake up call of this is not like a healthy I'm not a healthy person. I need to figure no. this out. Yeah. Good for you for right. it being that small because most people aren't able to see it that soon, which is why we have the epidemic that we do. Right. You know. Right, right. 50% of Americans at this point are either pre-diabetic or are diabetic. Right. And it's because they're not aware of that when they get to that space. They wait until last minute, right? Until something drastic happens. So I think it's amazing if people could I do got lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. That's great. When I think about all the ways that I got lucky, it's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope people are hearing you say that and it kind of clicks something in them. Right. Yeah. Because right. you should not have difficulty. If you're walking. like, if you're like, like 38 or 39 and you can't like stand mm -hmm. for three hours or all day, yeah. you should be able to stand all day. Exactly. And maybe take a break, uh, maybe every 10 minutes because oh, I'm a little sore. I'm going to sit down for 10 minutes and then I'm going to put my desk back up and stand up some more. Right. If you can't mm -hmm. do that, you, you need to Something think about off. changing your diet a little yeah. <laughs> For me, I, off. yeah, yeah. I, I started with a juice reboot. Have you ever heard of those? No. So there was this movie about a guy a lot like me. He was like, it was called like fat, sick, and nearly dead or something like that. This oh, rich, the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was this yeah. rich guy from Australia. And he said, for 30 days, I'm going to drink nothing but juiced vegetables and, and fruit. And so I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'll try anything. So, I mean, 30 days later, I felt way better. Now, juicing, not necessarily my favorite thing, right? <laughs> I learned that later. Right. You're, you're, you're throwing away the best part. <laughs> mm. oh. Yeah. I could go on a tangent about juices and fruit juices. <laughs> right, right. I get it now. So now, I, I, now I'm on the micronutrient smoothie kick. So oh. way, way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, the, the blood glucose, how your blood glucose goes up from juicing yeah. is ridiculous. The only reason you feel better is because you're giving your digestive system chance to actually like push all the stuff out. Right. But what it's doing to your blood system. Oh, forget it. Yeah. yeah like yeah. that stuff is right. straight up toxic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. It is. It's there, actually, there's some, there's some juicers out there that let you catch the, um, what is it? The fiber, mm -hmm. right? And that's, so if then if you stir that in and maybe, I don't know what, how, how you eat it, <laughs> just use a blender. <laughs> even even then it's like, because it yeah. separates so quickly All right. that the juice okay. is going to reach quicker and seep in fast. So ah, that's, right, right. Why, that's why fruit had its, its perfect mechanism of your eating and you have to chew it together. So you're getting the fiber right away. <laughs> right, right. We're taking so, something that yeah. nature made perfectly and, and yeah. ruining it. Don't pull the juice from it. That's straight sugar going to your blood. <laughs> if you knew, if you could see what it's actually doing, like from a, like actually getting to see the process, it's, right. it's not pretty. <laughs> it's, it's like, like cocoa leaves and cocaine, right? Cocoa right. leaves are awesome. Cocaine, horrible. <laughs> totally. Anyway, so okay, so let's move on, and uh, and talk a little bit more about like, geez, your journey is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so sexuality, growing up. Uh, so for a while, you said you were homeless. My uh, goodness, crazy. Yeah. So you know, it was. Right after my partner had been diagnosed with the same kind of colon cancer that my mom died from, actually, which was interesting, right? So that was actually, to sidestep really quick, that was actually the moment that I realized that I was creating my own re my own reality, and yeah. I was literally attracting in the same situations and mm. reliving those Right. Because I had not like moved, moved past that. Right. Yeah. That was the moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm literally creating my own reality and drawing in all the things that I've been. Right. 
And so that was a big moment. But after, after that, I, I was still healing my body. I was still pretty sick and I couldn't work consistently. And I ended up, uh, long story short with this one, moving into a space where there were several people and I had my own room. I was like, I'm going to try the roommate thing, not a roommate person. So that was like really difficult, but I was like, well, maybe it'll help me out. And I'm very intuitive. I've been psychic since I was a child. And I think it has to do with my first two near death experiences. But I was like, oh my God, these people are about to go through something. And the way the housing, this housing situation is going to end is not good. I'm going to get out now. And so I moved out not having another house. And I was in San Diego at this time, but a different time. And um, sure enough, that next month, there was a whole thing that happened with the landlord and a whole bunch of stuff happened. A whole bunch of drama, trauma. Yes. Okay. And so I was happy that I got out, but I could not find another space to live. And so then I I had a friend and she's like, well, there's an office space in the co-working center next door. She's like, I, if I give you the keys, you could just go and, and sleep in there. Mm. And I was like, that's a great temporary solution. I was like, I, I'll use it maybe a week at most thinking I was going to find another space. I could not find another space. And I ended up in there for six months wow. and I wasn't able to work. I, everything just kind of like fell apart during that, that time. And I remember laying there on the floor, my dogs were sleeping in the car and I, I didn't know how I was going to eat the next day. I was like, how the heck am I going to make money to eat tomorrow? And that was a point for me where all of the trauma that I had experienced that was culminating up to me being in this space again, really solidified. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't get any lower right now. I don't even know who I'm going to eat food tomorrow. And I'm sleeping on the floor of an office space and hoping someone doesn't come in. Wow. <laughs> and in that space, I was able to drop into a sense of trust that I had never experienced before. I was just like, well, I'll figure it out. And no Ooh, longer was I yeah. like overrun by this uh, adrenaline that I had been going on of like, oh, I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out. I was just like, you know what? I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Let me try to get some sleep. And it was the first time that I had Ooh. ever gotten to that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got through and that. And sure like, enough. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The next day I woke up and I had a couple of jobs that got me you know, like 50 bucks. And I was like, great, I can go buy food. And <laughs> and then it just kind of happened. And yeah. um, yeah, it was one of the, it was honestly one of the most beautiful moments for me mm. because it, I was no longer playing a victim. Like, because before I kept saying, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And thanks to my partner who was diagnosed with cancer, that that instance woke me up to my create, creating my own reality and so in that moment on the floor, I was like, oh, this is my creation. This is what I am putting myself into. And I was able to just like move forward from that point, you know, wow. and start seeing more of what I was creating and what relationships was I drawing in, what kind of friendships. And it was in that moment, actually, that I met one of my absolute best friends. She's still my best friend to this day. And I I had that because I woke up to realizing, like, what do I want in my life? And sure enough, here comes this amazing woman who just befriended me in a way that I had never been befriended before. And mm. yeah. So what was your conversation like with in your head? Like when you're lying there going, how am I going to eat tomorrow? And going, well, knowing that I'm making all this happen to me. Like mm. I'm interested in that conversation in, in your head. Right. Well, it was just that. That is exactly what I was wondering. I'm laying there and I'm thinking like, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Like, am I going to, am I going to have to borrow money? Do I need to find someone who can lend me money? And I was just like processing like how that was going to happen. But really that's the first time that I went silent because my PTSD brain was constantly on Mm. why is all this happening? What's going to happen next? Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like I was just constantly always like in fight or flight. Mm. Right. And this was the first time that I lost that sensation in my body of like fear. Like all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, this is low. <laughs> and right. you now don't what get much lower. Right, right, right. Right. And so it was just kind of like this. There was less thought there than there had been the majority of my life. Mm. And I- trust. It just came down to trust that. If I opened up, something would come in. Interesting. Wow. Because yeah. I, I, I've been in those like really, really dark spaces where like 
I, I just had another guest on yesterday and we were both talking about what that sort of like, I want to kill myself. This, this pain that I'm feeling is not going away. And this is when I had a house and a job, right? It was right. just like that. So sad. So whatever, right. That depression feels like it's like, it reminded me of recently. I saw this movie or TV show, uh, this Japanese woman, just had a, a miscarriage and she's just lying in her hospital bed and she's just like, I, I don't know how to make this pain stop. Right. Mm-hmm. It just hurts so much. So I, I remember that pain. <laughs> I was, when we were sharing, like we were like, I remember that feeling like, yeah, I don't know how to make this pain stop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the thing that I forgot was, I just started asking myself, well, am I okay now? Right. And you know, I'm, I'm not cold. I'm, I yeah. have, I have money. I just had a bunch of food more than I needed. Right. So I'm kind of okay. Yeah. Even though I have this pain. So maybe I can be okay with this pain. Was there any, can you relate to that at all? You know, I think I want to take this in a different direction. Yeah, because go for it. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I I have been called on the podcast a lot for lately is understanding the connection between our microbiome and how it affects the way we process trauma. Okay. Right. Because I had understood the trauma that I had gone through. I had unpacked it. I I forgave my dad. I really understood his situation. I right. you know, I was like fine with it. I was like, okay, this this stuff happened. Mm. move on. Like right, I understood right, right. it. Yep. Right. But I kept having the depressive episodes and I kept having these aggressive outbursts and, you know, like not wanting to be here. I mean, that was my regular feeling of not wanting to be here. And when I got my body in check and I understood what was happening, you know, in totally. my gut and how it was affecting my mind, the trauma disappeared. Right. Because when we look at trauma, it is an event that happened. The thing that is expressing the emotion is our body. Right. So there's a chemical imbalance happening. And when we can fix that chemical imbalance, our neurons can actually function properly right. and create new networks, right? Right. right. When it's not, and when you have certain bacteria that are literally feeding your neural, we have millions of nerves coming from our gut to yeah, our yeah. brain. Yeah, it's millions like another brain. It's another brain. It, it, it is, <laughs> it's right? another brain. And when you yeah. really look at it, right. it's the first thing that was fed. Our brain was built off of eating meat. Right, like right, right, right. In eating that our brain was formed. So what is actually the first brain, right? For sure. And yeah. so when you put it like that, it, it's a whole yeah. new, I've thought about really? that. I've thought about, I've never made that kind of connection. Like, like I, yeah. that story that I just told you about how, you know, I, I felt really sick. So I decided to try to clean up my diet. Right. And mm-hmm. I knew that was like a life changing thing. But I never yes. put those two things together. <laughs> right. Just like that. Like, like the, that's amazing. why I was able to get better. Right. Like right. not just no not just that. physically better. Right. But like emotionally better. Yes. Like, yes. Right. Like yes. Because it's almost like there's this energy block thing or something. I don't know what how how to say it, but it's, it's not even an energetic block. It's, it's the fact that our our digestion our digestion system is literally creating it's brain our number one. System. It's yeah, yeah, it's brain it's number one. It's turning on neurons and it's turning yes. off others. Right. And when we can't function properly, it's just going to continue firing the same things that we know mm. instead of actually turning off our vagus nerve from that fight or flight response right. and being able to sit in a calm space and be. I remember for the first time when I stopped eating a certain food and it was a plant plant chemicals called salicylates that are directly linked to autism, depression, suicide, and a lot of other symptoms. Mm. It's one of the chemicals that is found in the majority of plants. And when you have any dysbiosis, it causes neurological problems. It's a neurotoxin. Wow. And so when I removed those from my body, I stopped having the aggressive outbursts that I've had my entire life. And I was just like, this is how I'm supposed to feel. 
Like I'm supposed to be this calm, <laughs> right? This right. Happy? Yeah, yeah, you're shocked. And I was I, just I, like, people not watching the video are seeing like not seeing the face of. Oh, right. I know exactly what shock. you mean, though. Yes, it's shock. Yeah. the shock face. Yes. Yes, and I've we had don't so many know about this. Right, right. I've had. We're not so taught. Many. We're not taught right. this stuff and how plants can be really harmful to humans mm. if you're not aware of what they're what they're contributing to and how they're affecting your gut, like. There's so much to it. And I think so many more people would be more calm off of antidepressants. They would be more apt to create beautiful things in their lives if they understood that if your body's not in balance, your emotional health is going to waver just as much. Totally. Right? Yeah, yeah. I I looked healthy. I was pre-diabetic, but I looked healthy. Right. And I was having all of these things. Yeah, yeah. But got that in check and I was like, holy crap, man. I did not know I could feel this good. Like I, right. I did not know that that was my normal. Right, right, crazy. Yeah, yeah, wow. Over thirty years of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, yeah, and it sounds like you were like again. I, the thing that struck me was like in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Intellectually, mm-hmm. with thoughts, you were mm-hmm. okay with all that stuff, right? And it didn't matter. Correct. You hadn't done the, and you know, a lot of people are like moving off of this thing about like a lot of mental health, the beginnings of mental health. Mm -hmm. We're all about the content. Let's talk about the story Mm -hmm. of your trauma and, and, and get good with that. Right. That helps. I think it's, 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 but I don't think it's, it's not primary though. No, no. No, no, it's no. Not. It's Humans not. Humans deal with shit. <laughs> they do. They deal with stuff. That's kind of why we're here, right? Exactly. Is to deal with shit. Yes. Yes. But and when yes. you have a body that can actually function, right. it handles that stuff so well. Right. It, yeah, yeah. So the Buddhists listening, um, you know, <laughs> like a better diet and like taking care of your health can like stop a lot of those secondary arrows. <laughs> <laughs> tertiary all the other arrows are coming from somewhere else in your body and that probably has something to do with nutrition okay so wow we we've really done a lot can you keep going or, or or should we wrap up yeah i can keep going okay so um let's see we maybe another 10 minutes is that cool yeah absolutely okay so, yeah, I just looked at the clock. I was like, oh, shit, we're supposed to end now. <laughs> we're having too much fun. So, all right. So let's see here. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, addiction. So what were you addicted to? Drama. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, addiction shows up in different ways, right? Totally. And again, it comes down to a chemical imbalance. Right. And it's a, it's, it's a form of a PTSD and so for myself, I needed the the things that made me feel awful. I needed the kick of wow. uh, feeling abandoned. I needed the kick Worst of- Worst addiction like, ever. Right. It's- Like, it, yeah. Nobody would yeah, want that not, one. <laughs> no. Like you, it was intentional to draw, yourself, draw myself into situations that were going to cause some kind of, um, you know, disharmony, dis-ease, loss. I intentionally got into relationships that I did not want to be in. So then two years from then, I could have that sense of loss and feel that abandonment. And so it's a literal dopamine kick. I would smile when I would get that. And then I'd go into my little panic attack of like, oh, my God, they're leaving me. Right. Because I was getting what I wanted. Yeah. But then I was also relieving. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I thought I knew like some of the worst, like tobacco, (laughs) right? Tobacco is just really stupid addiction. For me, it's, anyway. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, so I, I never smoked <clears throat> much. Mm-hmm. I never was addicted to cigarettes or anything like that. But smokeless tobacco—this is a thing that country bumpkins in Michigan do. Oh yeah. Super addictive. Always horrible. Like the last time I quit, <laughs> right. I, I actually quit. You know, I was like. You know, I, I, I don't want to, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to chew anymore. Cause I, I did. Oh yeah. Right. So that's one of those addictions that it's like, most of my addictions were the things that you like. It's moving towards the thing I, I like. It's horrible. <laughs> Shouldn't be doing it. Like it's booze or, you know, porn or right. sex or, you know, something that is like a pleasure thing. Right. Right. 
But like tobacco, not that fun, really. <laughs> and getting off of it is just so horrible. Oh my God. The only well, reason- people are still smoking, like actually smoking these days. I just can't understand like the fact that it's even still legal. Like I feel like that's the one thing that we should be like, no, you want to kill yourself? Fine, go hotbox yourself in the car. Yeah. <laughs> but don't don't affect other people around Right, you. right, it's, right. It's so toxic. I've heard a whole nother thing about tobacco. And I know this is not a popular thing. Like tobacco in and of itself- not horrible. Tobacco every damn day, all day, right? Just like cigarette after cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. That's the bad thing. <laughs> if, you, well, if you were to have go to a hookah bar like a couple times a month, no big deal, right? <laughs> there's also the other side of it, though, yeah. that there's additives and right. all of it. That's true. Right. right. Tobacco, the plant, was actually medicinal right. and used hormonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if and you then, do that part, it's not right. so bad. Yeah. But then humans like to take everything and, and make turn it, it into cocaine. <laughs> and so they can make money. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, yeah, crazy so humans. <laughs> at least start vaping people. Like, come on. I, you know, I, I've never vaped. But I, I heard that was bad for you too. Well, it is, but it's at least not damaging other people around you to the extent that. Ah, right. Yes, yes. Like I said, if people want to do that to their own body, fine. Like I'm not, I'm well, not going to. Yeah, don't judge, me. right? Because, right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm be, bad. I, I, I've done just about every bad thing you could do to, to my body too, right? So yeah. <laughs> right. you can stop though. I'll give you permission, everyone. To yes. Stop. Yeah. You all have. Time. You're done smoking. You're never going to smoke again. <laughs> you you can quit. It's better <laughs> on the other side. That's what I would say yeah. with tobacco. But yeah, the, I think the story that I was trying to get to was um, the only reason I think I was able to quit at all was when I was stationed in Japan. The convenience stores that sold tobacco products, like you know, they closed at 11 p.m. Oh, so if I could like just, you know, grunt through not buying tobacco until 11 PM. I knew I couldn't buy it until the next day. So when I wake up, I'm a little bit better. When I'm trying to go to sleep, it seemed really difficult to not want to get out of bed and go buy tobacco. Hmm. So I would just wait till the weekend. And okay, I'm using this weekend to quit tobacco. All I have to do is gut through three nights in a row and yeah. I can do it. And yeah. 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 And, and I did it. So anyway, wow. don't do okay. it again. Yeah. Don't do it again. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about like the microbiome because <clears throat> I kind of understand what you're talking about, but I don't think most people do. But, yeah. So let's just give us a, like an overview of microbiome. Cause I know there's, there's one on your skin, there's one on your gut. Like what is your microbiome and, and what, why is it so important? The better question to ask is how many cells do the microbiome carry that are human? <laughs> right. So we are actually more, yeah. more microbiome than human. Yes. Right. We're yes. only about 10% human cells. The rest of us is microbiome. That's awesome. And microbiome wow. is our entire being, right? I mean, yeah. we're surrounded by microbes everywhere. Right. And, um, but it's all in our body, but over a hundred trillion of those microbes live in the gut and they are what basically simulate everything that we ingest. Right. Right. And so when you have dysbiosis, which means you have your gut microbiome is not in a good order. So you either have bacteria, fungi, or viruses that are out of balance, right? Because usually Mm. when they're in balance, they are all beneficial for us. Right. When they get out of order and let's say you have certain dysbiosis with bacteria that can cause SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, where our small intestine does not house almost any micro- microbes. They they reside all in the large intestine predominantly. Okay. However, through antibiotic use and slowing down our migrating motor complex and all of these different actions, they seep into the small intestine and that's where we start having a lot of issues. Yikes. Okay, so with our microbiome, again, it's really 
taking care of everything that we put into our body. You're feeding trillions of babies and it's a symbiotic relationship. So if they're fed well and taken care of, they're going to take care of you. They are literally linked to over 85% of disease that happens in humans. And so that's where we want to start asking the bigger question of, we're not eating to feed ourselves. We're eating to feed these microbes. And the reality is when you take our human soul out of the picture, we are just, our bodies are an organism. They're a meat suit that is literally feeding right? It's just like an animal walking. Like the way they move is because of their, what they're assimilating and everything that they're going through. It is no different, right? Right, right. Our body has its own composition and it needs to be taken care of in order for the microbes to do its job. And our gut is basically one hollow tube, right? But it sends everything. It sends signals to where it needs to go. And we have the gut brain access. So that's how we get the nerve, you know, the nerve cells up to the brain, all of this is happening. But the the thing that's happening in our society more often than not lately is when we damage our gut lining, whether it's through medication, antibiotics, poor diet, not moving enough, all of these different insulin resistance is the top one. Um, When we're not doing everything we can to take care of that, it creates a leaky gut, which means that food particles and toxins can seep in to your bloodstream. And that's why our immune system comes in. It's like, hey, this shouldn't be here. Right. And that's why we have so many autoimmune disorders. Okay. So our, our microbiome is literally the most important part of our being that we should be taking care of. Right. Wow. So yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm kind of familiar with the gut biome. Do you know, do you work with the skin biome at all? Should I be not like using soap ever? <laughs> <laughs> so the biome in general is a sensitive it's sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right? I went and through this whole skin disorder thing. That's why I'm asking. So when I went to see a really good dermatologist, he was like, you need to get good soap and make it super watery, right? So I was like, okay, there's something going on here. Well, <laughs> here's the biggest picture of this is uh-huh. your skin is the biggest indicator of something being off in your body. Okay. Our skin is the largest organ. Yes. It, it is the first, if there is something going on and it's affecting your skin, that's saying, hey, there's something off in your body. Acne, 99% of acne is caused by an imbalance in your body, something that you're eating that is causing the reaction. Okay. Only time it's going to be like go go to see a dermatologist, which you don't even need to see then because is if you are wearing makeup, if you're putting chemicals on your body and you're breaking out because of that, that's obvious. Okay. Right. Like don't put crappy stuff on your skin. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You know? Okay. But otherwise your skin is your, one of the biggest indicators that something's off in your body for myself. I was getting eczema when I was eating these certain particles that I was not aware of that I had sensitivities to when I stopped all of it cleared up and I would be able to tell based off of what my face was doing, if I was actually getting the stuff in control, the second I try to go back off of it thinking like, Oh, maybe I healed it enough. I sure enough, it would come back. So it was kind of like my big tool of like, Hey, nope, you're still not, still not healed. (laughs) Still need to do this more. Um, but as far as like the soaps and stuff that you use, it's still going to affect the rest of your body because it's the largest, you're absorbing everything that you put on your skin. Right. And for the people who are like, no, I don't believe that stuff. It's just, that's how doctors still give babies medicine to this day is by putting it on the bottom of their foot. Like babies, you, take antibiotics. Yeah, yeah. you put it on the bottom of their foot, people. Like it's not this woo woo thing. Right. It absorbs <laughs> everything that you put in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I went through like 12 years of, um, it started when I went to massage school. So now oh, yeah. that you're saying this, right. I started to get this weird kind of like eczema. They call it atopic dermatitis. It, mm-hmm. it has a name now, but that's probably what it was because that was the first time in my life that I'm like putting this lotion, oil, chemicals, yeah. and, and I'm getting touched by different people every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, lovely. Right. <laughs> Thanks, massage school. Yes. <laughs> so that was 12 yeah. years of what the hell's going on, right, for me. And then finally, um, right before lockdown in 2020, I went to see a dermatologist and he was like, oh yeah, this is easy, right? And he gave me this sheet. So, okay, 
I, you know, you can poo poo the sheet if you want to, but it worked. <laughs> it was basically what he told you. Yeah. So it was basically like, stop irritating your skin. Yes. Right. So don't use a loofah. Don't use scalding hot water. Um, get super, super gentle soap. So I ended up with like um, Castile soap. Have you ever heard of that? That Oh, Castile. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But he said like, like squirt like five of the full strength into a bottle and then fill mm-hmm. up the rest of the bottle. Dilute it. Yes, it's super yeah. diluted. Right. Yep. So basically you're kind of like, just getting a little bit of soap <laughs> and totally. and only only wash the things that might stink. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Don't lose. That's perfect. Right. See, that's no, what that's, I said. And then if you that's actually a really good dermat, that is like an advanced dermatologist. I concur because yeah. for the other 12 years, they were like, oh, it's probably fungus. Here's an mm-hmm. antifungal. Oh, it's probably you probably just need Working lotion, or mm-hmm. oh, you probably need this steroid cream, but don't use it too much because yeah. So now I have scarring on my ankles from steroid cream. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great. That's a great doctor who can go that distance. I mean, I use a literally the old lard bars. Like it's literally. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. That's the it. old lard bar. Lard bar. Lard. Lard. Yeah. 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 Lard. Yeah. I want that. Grandma soap. It's literally just. Gra- can you old buy that school. on like Amazon? Grandma's, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Grandma's soap. Yeah. I'm getting that. Grandma's I, lie bars, I think, is what they're. Lie bar? L Y E? Lie bar. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Grandma. Yeah, it's the literally the cleanest, the most gentle soap you will ever find. Okay. Zero added chemicals, no right. plant compounds. It's like, it's it's like lard and lye. Yeah. Oh. The way that you can make soap. I love it. Yeah. I could talk to you forever because this is fun, <laughs> but we should probably wrap up. All right. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. We went No, long. no, don't be. So, it's great. So how can folks best get in touch with Lynn Rivers and learn about this $50 deal that you got going on? Yeah. So going to my website, www.lynnrivers.com. And that L-I-N-N. is L-I-N-N-Rivers.com. And I have a big button on there because I kept getting emails. How can I sign up for the course? Big button that says pre-launch course here, and it'll take you to the page. Lynn, you're amazing. I'm sorry you had to go through all that trauma. Oh, don't be. I signed up for it. <laughs> Apparently, we signed up for this shit. <laughs> Crazy yeah. as that sounds. <laughs> you know, you evolve. You 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 have you to grow. go through certain yes. things, and then right. you evolve to take control of your life. So yes, and it's our job to, for like I said, you know, that's the purpose of this show to like uh-huh. talk about all of our capital T's and little T's Mm -hmm. and let everybody know that we all went through it and came out the other side and we're still smiling and we're grateful and we're happy. 100%. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.